All right, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Thursday night as I'm recording this. Following Game 2 of Suns-Bucks, the Suns break away, they they get a win. Uh, it's unfortunate that it just, it just doesn't look like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, like they shot 12 of 37. In, in this past game, despite the fact that Giannis had 42 points, was very, very good. Uh, it just doesn't seem like the Bucks have enough if their all-stars aren't going to perform. If the guys that they brought in to be the second and third best player don't play up to snuff. Um, even if they had one of those guys, then this game would have been a lot closer, but just wasn't meant to be. Uh, final score of that one was 118-108, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, 118-108. Uh, as you heard earlier, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Uh, I hit the over on the odds boost that they did today for the over of 220.5 points. Uh, we got 226. I was sweating it throughout, and they do a great job with all of those, so make sure to download DraftKings, use promo code MHS, and they'll give you a great opportunity for great deals, just like that one. So I made bank tonight. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, and you can too. So make sure to check them out. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, wager paid out and site credits, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, go 1-800-522-4700. All right, changing up the timing of that particular read, uh, but wanted to do a mailbag today because I haven't done a mailbag in a while. I'm sure I'll be doing more over the course of these next few weeks, especially probably in between the draft and free agency. I would expect that I would do one then, uh, maybe preceding the draft even. But we are three weeks away uh, accurately right now because I'm recording it on Thursday. We're exactly three weeks away from the draft and from the Nuggets drafting 26th overall. Uh, I asked on Twitter to see what people wanted to hear about any Nuggets offseason-related questions, NBA Finals-related questions. I wanted to give people the opportunity to potentially talk about whatever they wanted to before we really start honing in on draft and free agency coverage here. So... My my guess is that most of these questions are going to be about that anyway. I actually haven't read through all of them, so I'm going to be reacting to them just the same as you guys. Uh, but for now, let us get into it. First question comes from uh, Richard Anthony Bell. Uh, what is the way to? Or he he gives this uh he gives this power ranking this list of the top ten teams uh power rankings for next year, placing the Suns at number one. Nets at 2, Clippers at 3, Hawks at 4, Sixers at 5, Lakers at 6, Bucks at 7, Jazz at 8, Mavericks at 9, Nuggets at 10. That is how far we have fallen. Do you agree, question mark? Uh, obviously not. No, I do not agree. Uh, if you count it without Jamal Murray, then sure. Like, I could see the Nuggets being the 10th best team in the NBA without Jamal Murray. When you add an all-star caliber point guard... Somebody who is very good and fits perfectly with Nikola Jokic, then you rise up the list of a fair amount. And I will say that the Hawks, they're a little bit high on this list. The Sixers are high on this list. Uh, the Mavericks are high on this list. Uh, Hawks at four is not good. Sixers at five is not good. Mavericks at nine is not good. I think all of those teams should be lower. Bucks should be higher. They can't be at seven. Um, I would put the Nuggets like if if Murray's out there, if he's if he's healthy, and we're talking about like a power ranking for how good these teams are at full strength. I'm putting the Nuggets in the top three. I think you can put the Suns in the top three as well. I think they've proven that, and the Nets in the top three. I think that's fine. I think I'd probably put the Lakers in the top three, maybe the Clippers, but I think it's fair to put the Suns, the Nets, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nuggets and the Bucks in the top six, in some way, shape, or form. That's if Jamal's coming back healthy, if he's ready to go. Uh, we think that Michael Porter's going to be taking a leap, uh, a, another step in the right direction. That's what I think. 
I think that the Nuggets are going to continue to try to add to their team. And it would be surprising to me if they didn't improve enough to be like better than 10th on the list. Like, come on now. I think that's that's a little bit dramatic, in my opinion. Next question. This one comes from Ruben. Signed Spencer Dinwiddie, question mark. What can we get with the Jeremy Grant exception? Okay, so second, first. The Jeremy Grant exception is the trade exception that the Nuggets acquired for signing and trading Jeremy Grant to the Detroit Pistons last year. There was a question as to whether it would be a massive trade exception, whether it would be, uh, I think it was a $9 million trade exception that they used about $4 million of it to acquire JaVale McGee. In retrospect, using $4 million of that trade exception along with two second-round picks to acquire a guy who never really played in the playoffs, that was, uh, that was probably not my favorite move from Tim Connolly. He's earned the benefit of the doubt, obviously, but not my favorite move because they could have gotten gone out and got somebody different. Um, what could we get? With the Jeremy Grant exception, I'm not really sure. I think you got to be looking at the the equivalent of Bull Bull on some other team, a player that's either a a bust first rounder that's kind of in the lower areas of the draft, or a veteran that signed a new contract that has a very small deal but like isn't in the rotation for another team. Those are the guys that I think you'd be thinking about unless you're trying to combine like 26 and that trade exception into one deal. I think that's possible that you could get somebody else that's different. Uh, I don't really have anybody in mind. I would I will go digging for it over the course of these next couple weeks because uh, that could be something that they use. But I honestly doubt it. I think just looking at their roster right now, Denver's roster... They're going to have they have 12 guys who are currently signed or currently under contract and they still have to make decisions on Will Barton, Jamichael Green or those guys have to make decisions. And then they're going to draft somebody and they're probably going to sign a couple new two-way guys and suddenly those roster spots really fill up and they still have the MLE which they could use. So, they might decide that they want to use the MLE, the mid-level exception as opposed to uh, the $5.3 million trade exception. And the first question, sign Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't think it's possible. Denver doesn't have enough financial capability to be able to do that. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie's a guy who, if you are Will Barton, for example, like Spencer Dinwiddie's your enemy in this year because he's going to be gunning for a lot of the same money that a guy like Will Barton is going to be gunning for. Uh, Dinwiddie just coming off of a torn ACL or partially torn ACL and he's healthy now it's been said that he's healthy and ready to go and could play if people wanted him to play so teams are going to be looking at him as a potential uh, point guard combo guard starter sixth man option that they can have that has a probably a stronger track record than Will Barton overall so it would surprise me if Dinwiddie was affordable for Denver. The max Denver could really offer anybody is if Jamichael Green opts out, if Will Barton opts out, and they decide to sign and trade somebody and then give something back. Um, so they could go for Spencer Dinwiddie, but it would involve a lot of movement. Uh, let's go with... Uh, you can call me Matt. Uh, he asks, what would be the best realistic signing this offseason, at least financially? Um, I've thought about this for a little bit, and you have to start thinking about from the Nuggets perspective of what do they need, what do what what is available out there, and how much do they have to spend. If I were the Nuggets, I would think about what happened in this past free agency period that really helped swing things in the direction of one team or another? And I would say that Jay Crowder, the contract that he signed, which was like a three-year, $27, $28, 29000000 contract with the Phoenix Suns, 
he basically signed for the three years at the MLE, uh, was what he signed for. And he was the starting forward for them for most of the year and did a great job and has been an impactful piece for them for the entire playoff run. A player like him makes a lot of sense. And so you look around and you think, okay, that type of player for the Nuggets would have to be a wing, would have to be somebody who's bigger, who can switch onto guards, who can switch onto forwards, uh, and could shoot the ball. I'm looking at Reggie Bullock of the New York Knicks and thinking, okay, how much are they going to want to pay him? And could the Nuggets potentially offer him a contract at three years of the MLE, four years of the MLE, that helps sway him from signing with a team like the Knicks when they're going to go big game hunting in the free agency period this year? They're going to want to keep R.J. Barrett. They're going to want to keep Julius Randle. They need to go get a point guard. Uh, They still have center on their mind, like it could be Nerlens Noel or Mitchell Robinson or whoever, but if the Knicks decide that they want to go get a wing, like DeMar DeRozan, for example, then I doubt that they would bring back Reggie Bullock for $10 million a year. Denver could offer that to Reggie Bullock and could potentially steal a guy who is a very good shooter, off-ball shooter, a veteran player who's a pretty solid defender as well, who doesn't need the ball in his hands. And when you start thinking about Denver's rotation and a playoff rotation after that, even if they don't bring back Will Barton, you could realistically say, okay, we're going to have Jamal Murray, Monte Morris, P.J. Dozier, Reggie Bullock, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Zeke Naji, Jamichael Green, and Nikola Jokic in a playoff rotation. It's nine guys, versatility, good shooting, uh, length, athleticism, and you feel pretty good about it, right? I think that wing shooter is probably the place that I would focus on. That is the specific position uh, in free agency because that is somebody that would be able to come in and immediately relieve a lot of pressure from Denver all around. So Reggie Bullock is the guy that I would circle. There aren't that many guys like him either, so Denver should be courting him or should court somebody like him if they think they need that, and I think they do. I would go guard in the draft, uh, wing in free agency, and then big. Maybe you re-sign a couple of your guys, or maybe you go find somebody else who's cheap. I don't know. Omar, a friend of the program, Omar, he asks, Combo, wing, or big for the draft? Well, I guess I did just answer this. All things being somewhat equal to me, it seems like the team needs another guard that can score off the dribble. Omar, I'm right there with you. think that the right thing for Denver, uh, given where they are, given who they're about to commit to financially, is going to go get another guard who's dynamic. Uh, I've highlighted Jaden Springer in the past, talked about Deuce McBride with uh, Mark Schindler. On last, on last podcast, uh, make sure to go check that out if you're interested in draft conversation. My perfect offseason would probably be to go get a guard like those two, uh, whether it was Jaden Springer, whether it was uh, Deuce McBride, Josh Primo, whoever, and, uh, and then go sign Reggie Bullock in free agency. That would be my perfect offseason for Denver. And let's go one more before we hit a break. Uh, Maticulous asks, Dame, Brad Beal, Lonzo Ball, are any of these possible? Uh, no. Like, unless Denver decides that they want to trade Jamal Murray and they're okay with trading Jamal Murray for Dame Lillard, then, like, none of that's going to happen. There is, there is one scenario that I will throw out there uh, that I've thought about uh, with regard to Brad Beal, I don't think it would involve Brad Beal going to Denver, but there's a three-way trade out there that I've long thought makes a lot of sense for all three teams. Uh, you send Bradley Beal to the Boston Celtics, Jalen Brown goes to Denver, and Michael Porter goes to Washington. Uh you, you'd have to add salary to that. It would be pretty difficult. Uh, Denver would have to figure out how the hell to make that work without also trading Aaron Gordon. But if you can make it work and you start to think about your team, 
You've got Murray, Jalen Brown, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. You feel pretty good about the athleticism and the versatility of that team at that point. You don't lose too much offensively. Um, But for the three guys that you mentioned, Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Lonzo Ball, I just can't really see it. I can't really see Denver being willing to trade Jamal Murray for any of those guys. And Lonzo's like, not Lonzo's not in that tier, of course, but uh, if they thought that Lonzo was a guy that they needed and they decided to go after him hard, and may- maybe that makes sense, but I just don't think he makes sense financially. And I think that whatever contract that the Nuggets decided to offer Lonzo Ball, the Pelicans would just match the deal because. I don't think he's leaving uh, New Orleans for anything less than like four years, seventy-five million. Four years, seventy million. It's on average about seventeen point five million a year. It's a lot of money to pay for a guy that may or may not be a third or fourth option on a championship team. Maybe we'll see. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to answer some more questions here on Pickaxe and Roll. Back here, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, please leave a rating, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. That'd be so cool. Uh, Going to continue to cover the Nuggets uh, through the draft, through free agency. Uh, we'll probably take a small break after that point at, at a specific time. I think I'm going to go to Vegas with the family. Should be a lot of fun. Probably not for summer league, but just for fun, just for pleasure. Um. But yeah, it should be fun, and I'll take a break during that time, and we'll let you guys know when that is, so you can uh, so you can make your adjustments accordingly. Because I know you hang on bated breath for when I am podcasting. That is a joke. Um, okay, let's get back to it. Uh, Downshift asks, "What is the most likely way Denver improves the roster for next season? Draft, free agency, trade?" Question mark. This is a good question. Because I think that there is a clear answer. Uh, the draft, when you're at 26 overall, you're not drafting for what you're going to get that year. And Denver doesn't really have an avenue to move up in the draft and select a new player that way. Unless they decide to trade Monte Morris or somebody like that, which I don't foresee them doing. Free agency, it's a good possibility. I think it's a very good possibility that that is the correct answer. Denver doesn't have a lot of flexibility, but they do have avenues with which they could go out and get somebody, the mid-level exception being one of them. And then trade. We've talked about trades a lot on this podcast because that's something like, that's how my mind works is how to maximize whatever you're doing. Um, Trading with Denver, I don't think it makes as much sense now as it does before. I brought up the idea to move Michael Porter in the last uh, segment. But what I focused on last week, I think it was the Friday podcast that I did. uh, I don't think that Denver gains a lot by trading Michael Porter right now because the players that they could acquire are not going to really make a big difference for them. And the players that they'd want to acquire are not going to be available. So you start to think about what other options does Denver have? Who would they trade that is interesting to other teams? Well, Monte Morris is under contract. He'd be an interesting piece, but are teams wanting to acquire him to be a starting point guard, a backup point guard? If it's a backup point guard, then they're probably offering picks and they're probably offering prospects, which Denver doesn't need. If they're acquiring him to be a starter, maybe they send something of more value. Maybe they send something that could really help Denver, but I seriously doubt it because I think that Monte is very firmly in the 25th to 35th best point guard in the NBA tier. I think that's pretty fair. Um, Good enough to be a starter on some teams, not good enough to be a starter on most. Uh, Still very solid and still has his moments to be clear, but there's a lot of great point guards in the NBA right now. Like, we just saw Reggie Jackson come from out of nowhere and just be, like, the second best player on the 
LA Clippers for a while. So I think the answer is free agency because the other guys that Denver would have to trade are guys that they're not going to. Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon. They built that group and traded for the last piece of that group because they believe in it. And they're going to try to add to it. And I think the best way they can do that is free agency. I think the best way is with the MLE, is using something like that. Uh, We'll see if they ultimately end up using it. We'll see if they split it up. Uh, But what I would expect is for them to target at least some sort of upgrade in in some way. Uh, Because it's very possible that Will Barton could walk out on them. Or maybe they decide to bring back Will Barton and then they just don't use the MLE. They decide to try to stand or the cap in that regard. But Denver doesn't have like a, a great avenue for using a bunch of cash. And like it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to go into the luxury tax this year. For a lot of different reasons, but financially being the biggest one. So we'll see what they ultimately do. I think Denver's roster is mostly going to be like what they're what they've had for a while and what they had for this year. You might just exchange some pieces towards the middle or end of the bench. Maybe Barton goes, but other than that, I think it's going to be more of the same. Trevor asks, who's the free agent target you would most like to see the Nuggets get? Uh, Answered it, it's Reggie Bullock. He's the guy that I would think of. Uh, If it's not Reggie Bullock, then I'd want to get another capable wing. Uh, Somebody who I think could step in and provide some minutes. Whether that's somebody like Doug McDermott, Trevor Ariza, uh, James Ennis, Nicholas Batum, Mo Harkless. Somebody of that nature. Maybe Solomon Hill, who just played for Atlanta in the Eastern Conference Finals this year. So there are names. There, there are guys that I think if you offered them $5 million, $6 million, $7 million, then they'd probably be interested. So I think it's, it's not a question of whether they could get somebody. It's a question of what they want to spend on. Jared asks, not really a question, but I can't help think keeping Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig... Would have made us more of a contender today. It's hard to see the Suns leapfrog us. The, the gap's big, but it's uh, self-inflicted errors. Uh, Denver tried to keep Jeremy Grant. I, I Let me just reiterate this really quick. Denver tried to keep Jeremy Grant. They didn't think that they were going to keep Torrey Craig. And after Jeremy Grant left, they decided that instead of, uh, instead of trying to just hold the ship down together, they're just going to give Michael Porter the initial opportunity at the starting small forward spot, and they didn't bring back Torrey Craig for that reason. They they wanted veterans out of the way so that they could bring in Michael Porter and groom him for his starting spot, and I'm glad they did it. I think that it really made sense for a team like Denver that for that moment was more focused on Michael Porter's development than they were about winning the championship. I think you're right. If Denver adds... Jeremy Grant and Torrey Craig and takes away Aaron Gordon. Maybe they still have Gary Harris and RJ Hampton. Got a lot better athletes. They've got a lot of options. Maybe you're right. Uh, but that wasn't really available to Denver. Torrey Craig was, but I, I don't think he would have made as big of a difference as you may think he would have. Mikey Robert asks, At 26, the chances of getting a high-level contributor are low. So at that point, you're trying to get a player that excels at one skill? Are there hopes for others? In your opinion, what is that one skill? Uh, I picked Namias Quetta uh, as an elite D, good mid-range playmaking backup center. Mikey, I think that the skill that Denver should be going for... You know, I don't, I don't actually think that Denver should be going for one skill. I'm going to disagree with you. Uh... In my talks with Mark Schindler last week or earlier this week, he talked about how the draft has about 35 to 40 first round grades. That's how he has it. That's how a lot of people have it. Uh, a lot of players that can be first rounders are pretty good. It's not always the case there. Like I think in 2018, 2019, 2018, you had a lot of guys like in the top 20 that were very good, and then it sort of fell off after there. 
2019, it was a crapshoot after the first two picks with uh, Zion and Ja. 2020, it was a flat draft, but you had a lot of guys from 1 to 40 that had a chance to be really good. This draft, it seems like it's kind of a mix of both. Like You have the top-tier prospects of 2019 in Cade Cunningham, uh, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, but you also have the depth. I would say that Denver should be drafting for the best possible player that they can get, uh, regardless of when that player is ready. You hope that they're ready sooner rather than later, but the dirty little secret about drafting young players versus drafting older players is that some of the older players are not ready to go, and some of the younger players are ready to go. It just sort of depends on who you pick, about how much work they put in. In reality, none of them are going to be ready to contribute to a championship contender next year. So you're game planning for the year after that. And the year after that, I think that we've got P.J. Dozier off the roster, or not off the roster, but off the books. Uh, Faku Composo's off the books. You still have Jamal, you still have Monte, but and you may, you may or may not still have Will Barton, we'll see. But what I would say is that I think that Denver should be going for the best possible player that they can get. A good athlete, somebody who is dynamic enough and smart enough to contribute to their offense. Uh, I wouldn't go for somebody who can't contribute to the offense in any way, shape, or form. Or it's going to be so limited that it's going to be difficult for them to make it work unless they're so elite on the other end. So, the best athlete that you can get... Uh, somebody who's who's got a good head on their shoulders, who's going to develop in the right way. Uh, it's hard to identify one certain skill, but I would prioritize athleticism. I would prioritize a good basketball IQ, somebody who is willing and able uh, to make the movements necessary to get to places efficiently, uh, whether that's on the defensive end or offensive end. Uh, maximizing their movement, maximizing their their physical skills, that's what I would say. Next question, Eden asks, One, how long is the championship window for the Nuggets? If MPJ doesn't develop beyond what he is currently, can they win it all? I'll start with one and then go to two. How long is the championship window? It, it's so ambiguous because the championship window closes the moment that Nikola Jokic decides he doesn't want to be in Denver. So... As long as he says he wants to be here, they're always going to have at least an outside shot. Always. So I'd say for at least the next seven to eight years, or however long you think that Nikola Jokic is going to be in Denver. Uh, the window, and what I think you're talking about, is when they could realistically win the title. Um, I think that they could realistically win this title this year think they could do it next year um it's hard to it's hard to discuss longer than two years because i think that i i can't just realistically say that the group that they have right now is going to be the group that they have in two years i think that jamal will still be here i think that nicola will still be here uh michael porter may or may not still be here depending on what he wants if he's still here, then Denver's window is still open. Maybe it's two, maybe it's three, maybe it's four. Uh, but Denver has a significant window, and their window is open for, it's going to be open for longer than a lot of other teams. Like, for the Sixers, is their window open right now? You could argue one way or the other. It was open in 2018-19, closed very close shut in 1920, and I'm not sure it really ever opened back up, given the injury issues that they had. Uh, for the LA Lakers, like, their window was open for these last two years. Is it still open? Like, are they, are, is everybody going to come back and be healthy and be good? Maybe. Maybe not. Um, so I don't know. I think if I had to guess, I would say for four to five years. Because I think that Michael Porter's going to be around for a little bit. 
think that Jamal's going to be around. I think that Nicole is going to be around. They're going to want to win one. And then if they did win one, then maybe they'd want to stick around to try to win another. Uh, but we'll see. It's so ambiguous. It's so difficult. Um, and then you also asked number two, if the Bucks lose this series, what more can they do to win a title in the future? Uh, well, they have to have their full roster ready to go. Uh, you had uh, Dante DiVincenzo, who's been out for this entire thing, adding him back to it. And instead of playing, instead of playing your other guys 20, 25 minutes off the bench, you play them 10 minutes off the bench because you can add just another few minutes to uh, DiVincenzo. I don't know. Uh, but they're going to have to find a way to add to their stability in the backcourt because Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, if they are liable to do these things, they're going to need a better backup point guard option right now than Bryn Forbes, than Jeff Teague. That would be what I would say, is that as long as they can stay out of the tax, as long as they can stay away from the hard cap, then they should try to add the full full mid-level exception to the best possible point guard that they can get. That way that they could stagger Drew Holiday a little bit more. They could stagger Chris Middleton a little bit more. Uh, Giannis could have another guy that he could play with. So that would be what I would say. Whether that actually happens or not, I don't know. Um, How many more do we have? We've got like eight more. Take that all on the way out asks... How would you prioritize MPJ's opportunities for improvement this offseason and why? So he lists a, a variety of skills, uh, six skills here. Defense, strength, ball handling, free throw shooting, add to the bag, and playmaking. Um, I would say that the, hmm, it's a good question. Like, separating ball handling and playmaking is interesting. I would not add to the bag. That's the last thing that I would do. That's the last thing you should work on. Uh, I think that strength and ball handling are the two things that I would work on the most. Uh, Being strong with the ball. uh, If he has the ball in his hands and teams are consistently digging at him. uh, The biggest problem that he had was being knocked off his spot and not being able to get to his shot. If he had the ball handling, he could consistently get to his shot. If he had the strength, he wouldn't be knocked off. So those are the two things that I would look to add first. Um, the playmaking aspect of this, it's tough. Like I would, I would prioritize that, but I'd probably prioritize defense over at first. Uh, so strength, ball handling, defense, playmaking, free throw shooting, then add to the bag. Uh, those are the six that I would say. Uh, Free throw shooting, he's he's going to be an elite free throw shooter. Like it's it's going to eventually happen, and the difference between him being an eighty percent free throw shooter versus an eighty seven percent free throw shooter, it's tangible, but not as not as important to some of this other stuff. And the last one before we hit a break, actually no, let's go to let's go to break. When we come back, I'll answer five more questions from everybody here. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much for tuning in on this friday when you are listening to this hopefully or if you listen to it over the weekend then i hope you're having a great weekend uh the nuggets are probably going to start uh they're probably going to start bringing in some prospects here pretty soon uh for the 26th overall pick it would be surprising to me if they didn't uh we've had no word of it over on the media side uh it wouldn't surprise me if we got some news here real soon uh, because they like to bring in players, but they don't want to bring in too many. And at 26 overall, not a lot of people are willing to go work out for them. So hopefully we get some news there and can can talk about some of these guys that have been brought in. Maybe I'll be able to interview them. We'll see. Devin Burr asks, What do you think 
of the Nuggets trading down in the draft and picking up an additional pick or additional picks? Uh, it's a good question. And normally in the draft, I would be opposed to trading down uh, just because it's so difficult, um, in my opinion. It's so difficult to move further and further down the draft and realistically give yourself a good chance to get the best possible player. Uh, 2017 will always scar me where Denver had an opportunity to draft the guy that they wanted at 13. They decided to go to pick 24 while also adding Trey Lyles. If you told me that they had OG Ananobi instead of Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon, then I would tell you that they would have won the championship last year because they would have been able to add Jeremy Grant uh, they would have had the flexibility and the defense and the athleticism to match up with a team like the Lakers. And they'd just be a better overall team. You still, if, Hopefully you still add Michael Porter to that. Hopefully that doesn't change things up too much. But if you just added OG Ananobi onto last year's roster, you feel pretty good about it. So those are the perils of trading down and missing the guy that you wanted to get. I would say that this year, though, and given that Denver's pick situation is pretty bad going forward, I would think about it. Denver's going to be in a situation, uh, adding a new G League team, uh, they don't have a lot of draft picks in their arsenal. They've traded a lot of their second rounders. They've traded two of their first rounders away in 23 and in 25. So they're going to have this 2021 first, and they're going to have the 2022 I don't think they have uh, second-round picks in either of those years, so those are the opportunities to add talent. So if I were them, I would consider adding uh, adding a player or two in this draft while maybe even picking up an additional second-rounder or even a first-rounder next year. Like, let's say, let's say a team that had the 45th pick wanted to move up to 26, and they decided, okay, we will give you the 45th overall pick as well as the 2022 lottery-protected pick next year. I think you'd do that if you're Denver. Like, whoever you get at 26 probably isn't going to give you a good option. You can just draft best player available at 45. Uh, This is just hypothetical. You could also go with, like, trading 26 for 35 and 45 and feel pretty good about adding two quality second rounders. In this draft, there are going to be players that fall. There are going to be players that go a little bit lower than you think. And if that's the case, then maybe Denver feels like they could add somebody. I think uh, Paul Reed, the guy that I wanted for Denver last year, he went in the second round and he looks pretty good now. And he looks like a guy that they could have traded down for while also getting. So... We will see what they ultimately do, but in this draft, given Denver's draft situation, I think it is a prudent move to think about trading down. Chosen One asks, what are three realistic combo guards that Denver could obtain this offseason that can create their own shot? All right, three guys. Like, are we talking about, like, in free agency, in trades, or in the draft? Like, I think there's a... There's at least a, a question mark there, but let's talk about uh, free agency targets because I can't really think about uh, trade targets right now. Um, if you have the MLE available, if you have very little amount of money uh, and you wanted to go for guards that create their own shot, I think you could realistically say Patty Mills of the San Antonio Spurs would make some sense. He's a guy that is unafraid, comes off of screens, creates his own shot from three, does a lot. He'd be an interesting option. Lou Williams, he'd probably be affordable for that amount. Um, who else? Like, there's just not a lot of appealing names on this list. Uh, Austin Rivers is honestly a really good name there. And... Nuggets fans may not want to hear that, but Austin Rivers might be the guy that you're thinking of uh, just because they're not going to get a starter. 
And I think that's what people have to get through their heads is that they're not going to get a starting caliber player for whatever amount of money that they have because they've already committed to two max contracts with Jokic and Murray. The salary cap prevents them from doing a lot of different things, given that Aaron Gordon, Will Barton, Jamichael Green, Michael Porter, uh, Monte Morris, those guys are players that they have to think about on their roster, and they can't just clear the deck so that they sign somebody for under the salary cap X amount. Uh, maybe they found a way, maybe there, maybe there's stuff that they could do that I'm not thinking of, but the names that I mentioned, Patty Mills, uh, Lou Williams, and a return of Austin Rivers, I think those are the three names that I would consider. I think are the most realistic. Luffy asks, any thoughts about the Nuggets position on Will Barton? What they think they're, I, I assume that means what they're going to do with him what he's going to do with his player option. He signed a new agent. Uh, he changed agencies uh, for his uh, own personal side during this past uh, couple months. So, like, he's with, uh, gosh, who are they called? Um, I can't remember, but they are associated with New York, with the Knicks. Um, so it would be, like... It would be interesting to me. I think that Will Barton is probably going to opt out. And I think that the Nuggets would like to bring him back if they wanted him. Like, they, they'd want him back for a realistic amount of money. Probably around what he makes right now. Or on that player option, which would be about 14 to $15 million a year. They'd probably pay him that for another three years. And if he didn't accept a three-year, $45 million deal, then they'd probably take their chances elsewhere. That is my guess. That is what I would think. Maybe they decide to go 460. Maybe they decide, uh, we, we don't necessarily want to pay that much. We, we would rather you take a discount in order to come back. Because Denver does have players that they can continue to add to their system. Like, they could, they could potentially have Monte, PJ, and Austin Rivers, as well as Faku Campazo. Maybe they add Reggie Bullock or somebody akin to that. And then they bring back Jamal Murray during the middle of the season. And they feel good enough about that. They might. Maybe they also draft somebody and say, hey, we'll give a player who we draft a little bit of leeway as well. And we'll see. But I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what Will Barton's going to do. It really does feel like a feel like a 50-50 shot, and I know that that's kind of a cop-out here, but I'm not sure what Will wants. I assume that he would want to come back to Denver for the right price, but money does really talk, and he's also been around Denver for six, seven years, and if I were him, I, I'd, I would very much understand if he wanted to continue to expand his game. If he thinks that Murray's going to come back and MPJ is going to be the starter and, and the the leading shot guy, and Jokic is obviously going to be here. And then Monte's there, and PJ's there, and you've got just pressure behind you, and maybe they draft another guard. Then, like, if you're Will, you're thinking, oh, man, do they really want me? Is this really the best fit for me? What if I just went to somewhere like, for example, the New York Knicks, where I could get $18 million a year and be the starting two guard there? Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's what he would want. I don't know. We're just going to have to see. We're going to have to see what he wants. But I think it's a fair question. And I think that he would realistically consider trying out something new if that's what he thought was best for him. That's fine. Like, he's earned it. He's absolutely earned it. Jay Gatsby asks, do the Nuggets need MPJ? Or is his value on the trade market a better route? Um, there are different times where his trade value might be a better route, and I think that the I I do think that the best time to explore that is now, before you offer him a big time money making extension, which would be about five years, one hundred and sixty seven million, one sixty eight million, about thirty three million a year. In my opinion. I think that his value to the Nuggets is higher than his value on the trade market right now. 
just because Murray is hurt. And while he could come back, while he could be perfectly fine, I think you can realistically, if you're Denver, think, what if Murray came back and he was the third option, the third scorer on the team? Because MPJ has taken certain steps, taken certain moves forward with his game, and he's now averaging 25 a night and just scoring very efficiently. And then if you're Murray, you don't feel a lot of pressure to come back and immediately be an all-star. You can come back at your own speed, feel pretty good that way. Whoever you trade Michael Porter for, I doubt that they would be able to do the same for Murray. They wouldn't be able to give him the same luxury. I could be wrong. Maybe that's the wrong way to think about it. But one other way that I would think about it is that if Murray does come back and he's at or around where he was before, and MPJ takes a step forward, I think there's a very realistic chance for Denver to win a title as soon as next season. So, going away from that and going into the unknown about whether a certain player would be good or not for your team, I think makes a lot of it's it, it puts a lot of concern in me that if you went from a team that you thought could win a title to a team that you don't know, it's 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 a gamble. So, I don't know if the gamble on MPJ is more than the gamble on that. Because there's not, there's odds on that that I would take. But we'll see. I think that Denver's going to max MPJ. I The podcast that I did last week was more of a thought process rather than like my actual standard opinion that Denver needs to trade him. If I were Denver, I would max him. End of story. And the final question comes from Dan Hernandez. Dan asks, If Barton leaves, should the team plan on playing Jamal at shooting guard? Should they do that anyway? Question mark. Um, it's a good thought. There have been a lot of stats, a lot of points made about Murray and how he operates off ball, how he operates as kind of a a primary scorer as opposed to somebody who has to worry about point guard duties? It's a good question. What I would say is that the ideal situation for Denver is always going to be one where I've done this podcast, I've done this uh, question before basically where Denver has, they've got Murray, they've got Porter, they've got Jokic. What is the ideal way for them to plan and and game plan for those three guys? Well, you want a 3.5 who can play next to Porter, who could take on difficult assignments but also can do the dirty work and doesn't necessarily need to have the ball in his hands a ton in order to make a positive impact. Aaron Gordon is that player. If you give him the opportunity to do so, I think he could absolutely do so. Um, And then the other one is your guard, whoever your second guard is. And I think a 1.5, somebody who's neither a point guard nor a shooting guard, is probably the right call. If you can get there, uh, you want a player that can play on and off ball. You want a player that is more of a facilitator than a player that is a scorer. But you'll definitely take a scorer too, somebody who's good. Like you want talent above anything else. So if the player that you add happens to be more of a passer than they are a scorer, then that's great. And Jamal and Nikola Jokic and Michael Porter will adjust to that. But if the player that you add is a score, then they'll adjust to that too. So if I were Denver and you're thinking about it from like a a roster perspective from what Denver has to offer, I think you could realistically say, okay, you've got Monte Morris, you've got PJ Dozier. One of those guys will start next to Jamal Murray. That's probably the talent question. That's probably the best fit. If it's Monte, then Jamal's playing the two. If it's PJ, I guess you could probably say Jamal's playing the one, but I think you could have PJ handle the ball a lot as well as he continues to get better, as he continues to improve his decision-making, his playmaking off the dribble. He's going to make a leap too. I do believe that. And if he does, then maybe Murray plays off the ball more anyway. So if it's Faku, then Murray's then definitely the shooting guard. If it's uh, Marcus Howard, then I think you could argue one way or the other. 
But for these purposes of this podcast, I think that Jamal playing the two, Jamal playing the shooting guard spot, I think you want to be able to do that a little bit more with him so that he can take advantage of his best skills, so that he can continue to be his best self, which is somebody who can run off screens a little bit, somebody who can come off DHOs, who can uh, screen off ball a little bit, can do a lot of the things that are needed to, like, as be a, be a crafty scorer, uh, as much as he is somebody who just has the ball up top in his hands and can do that as well. The great thing about Jamal is he can do everything on the court that you want him to. He can be the center. He was posting up earlier this year. He could be the point guard. He could be the shooting guard. Be the small forward. Like, he has a versatile skill set. And that's what you like most about his game. So he'll be able to fit no matter what you do. Just get the talent and get somebody in that's capable of doing those other things as well. And your offense will be very versatile, hard to guard, incredibly difficult to stop. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much for tuning in, everyone. Really enjoyed all the questions. Thank you so much for sending those in. Uh, We'll probably do another mailbag at some point here soon uh, as we get closer to the draft, as we get closer to free agency. Uh, You guys know where to find me. Make sure to at me on Twitter if you're interested. If you have any other questions as follow-ups, hit me up or in the Denver Stiffs comment section. That is also good. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in, and I'll talk to you guys next week.